comic, comics, comic, comics, comic, comic, podcast, comic, comic, podcast, comic, I'm Joe Getcho. And I'm Mike White. And coming to you from Champion City, this is We Like Comics Because They Have No Bones, where the dodo is mysterious and disco is not dead. Disco is life. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining. If this is your first time listening, we're a comic book podcast that celebrates all things DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, IDW, and more. And today is a little bit of the end more because we're going, we're doing a deep dive into an indie company today. So uh, each episode, we will pick a comic book or comic related media and review it, taking you on an exciting adventure to learn more. And one of the other things that you'll notice about our podcast is that it's a clean show. So we're going to try and keep it appropriate for all ages, even when the story subject matter may be a little bit more mature. So uh, if you guys are interested in more comic book discussions, you can follow us on social media at Boneless Comics Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and at Boneless Comics One on Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, tinyurl.com slash Boneless Comics Podcast, and hit the like button on all of our after shows, bonus content, music, and more. Yeah, and just an additional note about the YouTube channel, there is a lot of really cool stuff there that kind of fits in line with what we've been doing but may not necessarily fit within the confines of a podcast. Like we, uh, we've got a couple episodes up there of us just playing through the Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection. That's really fun. If you guys want to go check that out, uh, I think there's a gaming video of me running through Mega Man 1 to go along with our review in the first season and, and then Spidey Joe's one shots and a lot of other cool stuff. So if you guys are interested, definitely check it out, subscribe. Uh, it's, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Tougher than the A-Team, newer than the new universe, not quite as good as the Watchmen, here comes the Mystery Man. Today we're talking about Flaming Carrot number 16, <laughs> entitled I Cloned Hitler's Feet, which was published in 1984 by Renegade Press. We're also going to be discussing the 1999 film called Mystery Men, which is loosely based on this comic book series. Mystery Men. That's where my background is from. There you go. There yeah. you go. Welcome so the... to Champion City. Exactly. So the writer of the comic story, Bob Burden, is an American comic book writer from New York, which we've kind of said before, this is where like 90% of comic book characters are also from. So a lot of comic book writers are from there as well. So, uh, but regarding his writing of Flaming Carrot, he actually, I have a quote here that I think pretty well sums it up. He says, the stories seem at first glance non-linear and spontaneous. And in truth, they start that way, but they really are linear. I've always somehow managed to orchestrate a beginning, middle, and end. I believe I was born a natural storyteller, but journalism school and the Robert McKee books and writing seminars didn't hurt at all. Studying is not about memorizing or mimicking the methods of others. When trying to mentor young new artists, my main objective is to teach them to teach themselves to also learn on their own and experiment, take risks, just use knowledge as a jumping off point for wisdom. And always remember, no matter how hard it seems, it's also got to be fun. Never lose sight of that. So not only is he the writer, but he is also the artist. And though he's drawn a number of comics, he actually said he considers himself solely a writer, saying, I'm a writer, okay? The fact that I draw art is purely coincidental to that, but I'm not really what you'd call a competent illustrator. So I think he is a competent illustrator, <laughs> yeah. but that is probably where I would where I would end it. Uh, I think that his art is fairly bland, fair for superhero comics. 
the layouts and just even down to like the phrasing of some of the dialogue, but the, the way the panels are laid out really remind me of Golden Age comics, like early mm. Superman, early Shazam. Uh, and that seems intentional because it seems like it's kind of a send up of that type of thing. There's a lot of the narration of like, and then they walked into the room and, you know, that that kind of thing that we don't see so much in comics these days. But I do think that he's really good as a character designer because uh, I really like the design of Screwball. Um, I think Jumpin' Jehoshaphat was another character that he has like giant springs on his boots <laughs> yeah. that bounce him everywhere. And uh, I, I really thought that both of those designs were very creative, at least so. I think he has a good handle on that, but it's really all in service of the comedy of the book. So uh, it's also a black and white book, which I don't know if that turns anybody off, but I'm assuming because this was pretty much self-published, he probably didn't have a colorist. So again, like I said, Screwball is probably my favorite character just from a design standpoint because he just looks like an insane guy in a jumpsuit and his eyes are kind of looking in opposite directions. <laughs> looks like a screwball. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Yeah. He uh, he looks a little bit like Mike Allred's Madman character, which is, I, I am blanking on the publisher that published that title. Uh, but he's somebody that's done a lot of work at the Big Two as well. And uh, Madman, I would argue, might be influenced by that design a little bit. I, I don't know that for sure, but it looks similar. And he also kind of looks like the Flash because he's got the little like pointy ear things coming out with the the like weird lightning rods. So yeah. I don't know. The the characters look appealing enough that it doesn't turn you off, but it's definitely nothing to write home about art wise. So being self-published, Flaming Carrot was actually first self-published in 1981 under the company name Killian Barracks Press, which was in an oversized one shot. And then it eventually moved to another self-published company called Aardvark Vanaheim, and then to Renegade Press, which is the publisher of the comic that issue that we're discussing today. And then it went to Dark Horse, where the Mystery Men movie was made, and then finally went to Image Comics, and then the last issue was published in 2006. So from what I can tell about Flaming Carrot's origin, because this is the first issue I've ever read of this, um, it's actually fairly simple. Having read 5,000 comics in a single sitting to win a bet, this poor man suffered brain damage and appeared directly thereafter as the Flaming Carrot. And yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's hilarious. I I had no idea because there's no context in this story of what his origin was. So when mm -hmm. I when I came across that, I was like, oh my gosh, that 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 gives you guys a pretty good idea of what you're signing up for, though, when we're getting into this story. So. Yeah. And he doesn't say it in this issue, but he actually has a catchphrase and it's ut. It's the letter oh. U, T, and then exclamation point. So the story behind this is while at a Beatles concert, a bunch of fans were trying to rush the stage and the police were trying to keep them behind the barricades. And so the lead guitarist, George Harrison, points to one that gets through and says, ut! it's like, oops, you know, that kind of thing. And so Bob Burden said, this is just a goofy thing that's kind of like childlike and fun. And he went with it. Kind of like how Damian Wayne's catchphrase is. That's that's yeah. basically that's his catchphrase. Hmm. That's what he does. He he gets annoyed and he goes. Tss. And, and... <laughs> all right. Well, in 1993 and 1994, tss, moving on. Tss, <laughs> Mirage Studios published a four issue miniseries, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles slash Flaming Carrot crossover. So if you watched our episode on the Turtles last time and you're watching this episode or listening to Flaming Carrot, 
go check that out for a four issue series crossover of these two things and tell us if you like it or not because i'm kind of scared that would be fascinating actually turtles eat carrots (laughs) i don't don't know. know I grew up believing that they ate pizza, but now that I've learned more about the animal kingdom, I realize that's probably not true. Yeah, probably not. Um, But (laughs) Flaming Carrot was a founding member of the blue collar group, superhero group called the Mystery Men. And they were actually introduced in a flashback dream sequence in this issue, Flaming Carrot Comics number 16. And this was in 1984. And then the Mystery Men film was announced in mid-1997, along with other comic book movie adaptations, some of which made it, some which never came to be. But the list is Blade, Virus, Superman Lives, X-Men, The Fantastic Four, The Hulk, Captain America, The Submariner, Iron Man, Daredevil, Silver Surfer, Hellboy, Concrete, Green Hornet, and like 26 other titles. So this movie came out in a time where there had been a lot of, you know, kind of superhero stuff in the 80s and 90s. And it was really at a low point until things like, you know, movies like Blade and X-Men came out and started reviving sort of the, I, I guess you'd call it the superhero movement. And then after that point, then we started getting things like the MCU and the DC movies that we have and Justice League and Avengers and these big like where you you have a big budget, you have a lot of heroes on screen at the same time. That's sort of more of a a recent thing that's been very popular. But with Mystery Men, it came out in that time where it was like there was a little dip and what they did was kind of ambitious. And we'll get more into this in the after show. But what they did was very ambitious and it really didn't follow the comics at all. It was very loosely based. So we don't get Mm. Flaming Carrot, you know, in the film. So I guess they weren't too ambitious. But we do get (laughs) to see a handful of comic characters like Mr. Furious, the Shoveler and Dr. Heller. Say it with me. Heller. Heller. Blue Raja, master of silverware, forks a speciality at your service. My colleague, the Shoveler. Big fan of your work. Yes, and standing rather painfully aside is our cohort, Mr. Furious. How's it? Oh, so you guys, um, we're superheroes. Oh, well, okay. Well, we fight crime, call it what you will. Right, quite right. Well, that's great, that's great. Just, you know, keep up the good work. Oh, yes, yeah. You you as well, sir. You as well. Here, take my card. My name's Heller. Say it with me. Heller. Heller. All right. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would say that if this movie came out today, I think that it would hit with audiences a lot better. It bombed, which we're going to, you know, get to that later. But honestly, the thing is, is this is very much a deconstruction of superhero tropes. And Mm -hmm. the movie going audience at the time didn't have that sort of innate knowledge of those tropes and that language built up going into this so really unless you were reading comics you might not recognize the stuff that they're sending up in this movie because there's a lot of it i mean even champion city itself very much looks like it's inspired by gotham in like the 90s batman movies i mean it, it looks like the sort of like neon lights with the goth influence all of that stuff is there so i i feel like it's just a case of kind of the wrong time when it came out Mm -hmm. because it's not a bad movie it's just nobody got it audience wasn't there for it yet so yeah but uh, i would love to see them do another one with flaming carrot because i feel like if you do it now 
you do have a guy that has a carrot for a head with a giant fireball <laughs> on top, and you just go with it. Because we've done crazier stuff in Guardians of the Galaxy already. True. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, sky's the limit with CGI and everything. Except on She-Hulk. Well, oh, man. It's, <laughs> hey, we, we haven't done a follow-up to our She-Hulk episode really discussing the Disney Plus show, but the feeling is, after reading the comics, not quite what we hoped yeah. and wished for. So. Unfortunately. It's still enjoyable. Yeah, it is. It is. I haven't given up on it, but... Well, back to Mystery Men. Let's take a short break and watch a clip from the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, you should watch it because it's really good. But we'll be back in just a moment. All right. Hello, Champion City. Daddy is home. Maybe if you didn't smack me in the face with a shovel every time we went out, All right, you'd have some now, more winds to break. I'm sorry about that. I just have a tendency to lose my concentration when I've got a salad fork stuck in my rear end. Oh, oh, I get it. So your shovel in his face is my You threw a spoon at the guy, Jeff. Yeah, what was up with that? Frankly embarrassed about that. I, I thought it was a fork. You're the master of cutlery. You can't throw a knife sometimes. No, I can't. Oh, you, oh, you can't uh, use a rake sometimes? No, I'm the shovel. Well, I'm the blue rajah. I'm not stab man. I'm not knife here, boy. I'm the blue rod. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Well, I mean, you could get a little bit of blue in the uniform somewhere. Really? I mean, you, got, you, got, you got green. There's like a little flowery thing happening, but there's like everything but. Doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, we're back. My name is Mike White, and I do not like feet. So somewhat unfortunately, <laughs> in Flaming Carrot number 16, Flaming Carrot Dreams of a Different Time, when he helped found the superhero team, the Mystery Men, and their initial battle against the cloned feet and boots of Hitler. So that is the story that you guys are signing up to hear about today. So if, if that doesn't sound appealing, I guess tune out now. But, but uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get into this. So the, the main characters, besides Flaming Carrot himself, are the Shoveler, Jumpin' Jehoshaphat, Screwball, Mr. Furious, and Red Rover. I think there were a couple of others that stayed back on the Mystery Men, mm -hmm. like Helicarrier or Gunboat or whatever it was, but they're not really important. Oh, Jackpot. I think that was another, another name. I was going to give everyone kind of a brief rundown of the characters, but we don't really get much here. So well, we can give like just a basic like so the shoveler, he's a guy who fights with a shovel. You have jumping yeah. Jehoshaphat who jumps everywhere. Screwball, <laughs> we talked about he's crazy, has crazy eyes. He does and... have like a wire bomb, right? Like he throws a he throws a bomb that that shoots out all these wires to trap enemies or something. Yeah, that's they have the some only weird gadgets thing we see him do. Yeah. Mr. Furious uh, is extremely angry <laughs> and he can't he can't control his temper. Uh, he and and becomes shoveler, bulletproof. Yeah. And he is apparently bulletproof, which I was like, why didn't they that do that in the great. movie? That would have been great. Yeah. So. So uh, he is bulletproof in the comic book, but not in the the movie, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. uh, I I actually love the art for him because his face <laughs> looks so tense, and there's so many veins popping out. It looks like he's about to blow a capillary at all times, and he's just like, "Let's fight the bad guys!" And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just it, as ridiculous as Ben Stiller's performances in the movie, the drawing of him is even more yeah more so. So he was he was fun to see. For sure. And I don't really remember what Red Rover's deal is. I don't think that 
character was in the story even not they were on the cover I, he, they, he was on the boat uh oh. or the the gunboat i believe but one thing i did notice about all of them is that they seem to be running around with guns mm. so they're all just shooting the bad guys all the time and that seems to be totally fine well in so, this issue in particular though they're not really shooting people they're shooting bad boots yeah so that's true maybe that's, that's true. okay i haven't really read any other issues to know if they actually shoot people but i mean <laughs> yeah, if they I use guns know. then probably but it they also make a comment like you have to use a shotgun or a 45 you can't use a 22 or anything because it won't damage the boots like these are like really hardy boots yeah yeah they what if, if, if you guys can imagine it's basically a uh one of the black jack boots from like the the nazi uniforms with a, a swastika on the side and then there is a foot inside of it and these are just running around independently uh <laughs> kicking people apparently they slaughtered an entire shopping mall full of people i'm not sure how they did that just as feet i guess they kicked, they them, kicked to them death. yeah I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but those are our uh those are our villains for this although there is kind of a framing device for the story which i guess we can get into yeah. a little bit so it's funny because like in the movie Mystery Men, there's actually a point where the Disco Boys, who are uh, like the mafia hit squad, I guess, mm -hmm. they actually confront our heroes and pull guns on them. And so <laughs> the heroes try to like make fun of them, like, well, that's it. That's your power. You have guns. Couldn't you have been more creative than that? And <laughs> Blue Raja is like. Well, pardon the impertinence, Governor, but what does a pistol have to do with disco? And they're just like trying to make fun of them. And then, of course, they get beat up. And if you're going to beat me with a chain, you could at least make it a gold <laughs> chain. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was thinking of that when I was reading this comic. I was like, oh, you couldn't have been more original and creative. And you're just going to use guns. But they have some crazy gadgets like Flaming Carrot pulls out a sock out of his utility belt. And it's like a giant <laughs> man sized sock because he actually use it, uses it to subdue someone. And mm -hmm some weird stuff that they use. yeah I mean, he did that and then his distraction tactic a couple seconds later is he's hold, he's like look a tiny bee's head and he's yeah. just holding his fingers together like this and the guy looks huh? at it and he's what? like what and then flaming carrot smacks him in the back of the head i'm like what is happening here <laughs> this is weird yeah so uh i i will say that most of the gags landed for me though this mm -hmm. this was while it looked low budget, it was definitely funny. And there were a few things throughout where I was like, oh, he's kind of satirizing this thing in comics, you know. So I don't know if the beginning was intended as parody or not, because the way it's played is a little hard to tell. Mm -hmm. But there's basically a whole bunch of it's like Flaming Carrot has like a harem or something. It's yeah. all these women. They're playing with fire hoses and and all this stuff and basically having a wet t-shirt contest while one of them works on a car. And then they're like, Oh, we're so happy. We get to hang out with flaming carrot for a week. And I'm just like, what is happening here? <laughs> but, uh, that that's the framing device for the story. And then he's sleeping on a hammock and they, they're like, did you hear the story about the mystery men? And then it takes us into the, the flashback. So, yeah, I didn't know if that was supposed to be cheesy, like kind of like Austin Powers, where it's like you have all mm -hmm. the women and they're just like, uh, you know, and they use the in the movie like they I, I don't know, again, if this is a riff on the comic or or if it was just for fun, but like they have the gun that shrinks your clothing. And so they use it on all these like 
the the group yeah. of women that are are villains and so their clothes are shrinking and they're like writhing in pain but then you know the guys are kind of like should i not be looking uh, you know that kind of thing so <laughs> Shrink them. I say, they've gone from Junior to Missy Petite. Now that's a wedgie she won't soon forget. My pants feel like they're shrinking too. It, it's for it's for humor, definitely in the movie and. You know, hopefully in the comic, it's, you know, again, it was a different time period, but also, you know, I think it's just supposed to be funny. It's like this guy with a giant, you know, carrot for a head, got a bunch of women who are groupies. And that's what women want, I guess. I guess I, so. <laughs> I I wondered, and I'm probably giving Bob Burden too much credit, but there was definitely a movement in the late 80s, early 90s to sort of a like sexploitation type thing in art where all of the female characters were drawn super busty, super revealing mm. clothing. Uh, you know, even even books like Fantastic Four, where we've got Sue Storm, who's a mother for crying out loud, and, you know, and a wife and all of these things and sort of a respected member of the community. She's got like all these cutouts on her Fantastic Four outfit. And I mean, it was it was very much something they were doing at this time yeah. in comics. I wondered if maybe that was intended to be because they go so far with it that you know, the one woman sticks the hose down her shirt <laughs> yeah. and is like shooting water out the other side. And I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. And they also have like nothing to offer the story. Like there's no point mm -hmm. to that. So I, if I wanted to give Burden more credit, I could say maybe that was done intentionally to sort of critique what was happening in comics at the time. And they're being goofy and that's why she's is dumping that, the water because they're just being yeah. silly. Just yeah, because it, it was so over the top as to be noticeable. So I feel like, I don't know. I mean, you've got people like Jim Lee and, and Rob Liefeld who were really just coming to prominence in this era. And they drew very sexy women with very unrealistic proportions. That was just what they did. Mm -hmm. Now, Lee mastered anatomy much better as he moved on. And so he's become a much more uh, realistic artist, I would I would say. Liefeld has kind of stayed in the same zone and he's just he found his niche and that's what he does basically yeah. but uh, I, I could see Burden looking at that and being like what these guys are doing is ridiculous and so maybe <laughs> maybe it's a critique of it again I'm probably giving him too much credit but yeah. Well, besides the art, the dialogue that's in this seems to be like kind of broken English at times like sometimes certain words are missing you can still like read and understand it but it, it almost seemed to me like, was there just not enough room in the, you know, speech bubbles on the page? Like, if he's self-publishing this, then maybe, like, space is at a premium, so he's trying to cut the words down and just cut outwards, so he mm -hmm. abbreviated it. Is that something that you know of that's common, or does it... It was not something that super stood out to me, hmm. and I mostly noticed it with Flaming Carrot himself. There are a few other instances where I think Screwball would say something that was kind of truncated a little bit, but it's mostly Flaming Carrot, and I almost wondered, especially because they bring up Watchmen by name on the cover, when they're like, they're not as great as the Watchmen or whatever. Yeah. 
uh, I wondered if maybe he was supposed to be kind of a parody of Rorschach because Rorschach will basically omit all unnecessary words in his sentences. So he's kind of a gruff detective type. And he, oh, there's a there's a funny line from Watchmen where they find some blood on the ground and uh, Night Owl is like, what is this, bean juice? And Rorschach goes, <clears throat> human bean juice. And uh, that's his... <laughs> That's his line, but that's kind of his personality. And I, I, it came across to me that Flaming Carrot was kind of supposed to be that gruff kind of like no nonsense superhero. So maybe that's just how he speaks. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, Ut is pretty abbreviated as well. It, so. it is <laughs> <laughs> not really a phrase for a catchphrase. Yeah. So, so he would, he would kind of be speaking in broken English, but it was enough for you to get what he was communicating. So I, yeah. I feel like that was intentional. I didn't notice it so much with the other characters. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Or like the villains later, they they have their own tropes. Like they're chanting, all for evil! Oh my god. <laughs> like, vi- wow. I, I wish that we had written down all the names of the villains because like every one of them was hilarious. There was a lot of them. There was the melon melon guy, uh, melon master. <laughs> so like some guy tries to run away. He's like, ah, oh, this is too much for me. I'm getting out of here. The guy literally shoots a melon at him and conks <laughs> him on the head. It reminded me of the guy in Austin Powers who threw shoes at people. Like yeah. the guy takes you off and he whips it at Austin and hits him in the head and he's like that really really hurt ow <laughs> that really hurt I'm gonna have a lump there you idiot who throws a shoe honestly it's it's definitely a very slapsticky like like comedy yeah. tone you know where there's stuff like that i mean half the villains are at the reason we get such a name like dump of villains is because they're all at a barbecue actually mm-hmm. so the, villain the super barbecue. villain villains barbecue <laughs> yeah super villains gotta eat <laughs> so uh they're they're kind of they're kind of off there they're, i think the way they cut away to it is flaming carrot says something like i wonder where the mastermind is and then it's like later at the villains barbecue and that was the scene change so yeah. uh but the the big villain in this is um Zerb the cloner I guess who's the well he he does what his name says he clones things mm-hmm. so he <laughs> he uh cloned it it explains that what he scraped DNA off the inside of a booth that they found in 1945 and used it to clone Hitler's feet I would say that his <laughs> name is on the nose but since he's cloning feet I guess his name is on the feet I don't know, man. He's got a <laughs> foot thing. He was kind of creepy to me. I don't. I don't do anything to do with feet. I, I just like love it. these feet. I just so, love to caress <laughs> these feet, like Frieza and Dragon Ball. Yeah. Well, his his monologue is like these are what beautiful. They're beautiful feet. They're obedient. They're so evil. Mm. Or, <laughs> I don't know if he rubbed his hands together. That uh, was my my dramatic affectation there. So he rub his feet together uh yeah (laughs) there was another guy with him called like baron rumpus and i don't even know what his deal was i was waiting to see if he had like a large uh rear end or something like i think think the joke was that he was just always sitting like he just Uh, never got up out of his chair i think that's what the joke was it was it was just all for that that simple gag but uh yeah it's a, a lot of the names are funny and they feel like kind of a callback to old comics where 
you know, the power or the, the name is just what the guy does. Well, I mean, even, even a lot of them that have stood the test of time, like Iron Man is a man in armor. Superman is a man with superpowers. It's Batman literally dresses up as a bat. It's, you yeah. know, so they, they just kind of riffed on that, but picked really ridiculous subjects like melons. <laughs> I mean, why not? It, it's not lethal, but it certainly uh, probably gave him a bruise. So I did think it was interesting mainly because I don't know how they stayed out of copyright trouble that there were a lot of just call outs of other superhero yeah. groups from Marvel and DC. And I mean, they don't go to any lengths to hide it at all. Burden didn't, I mean, maybe his comic was had such low circulation that it just went under the radar. So it was like, you know, whatever, we don't care what this guy that's selling 15 copies of flaming carrot <laughs> is doing, you know, but uh, he, they, they say that like, they're the what the the millstone heroes that couldn't make it in the justice league and the avengers at the beginning yeah. and then they mention uh the women mentioned gold key comics and charlton comics which gold mm. key is the original license holder for making star trek comics which they oh, did some really like bad stuff in the <laughs> beginning i mean i i read a trade that i rented from the library rented borrowed from the library you don't rent from the library i don't what am i saying uh when, when i was a kid actually and, and tng was still airing and they were some next generation comics and there's literally an issue where santa claus beams on board the enterprise and starts giving presents to the crew wow. also everyone is ripped like data has huge <laughs> muscles jordy has huge muscles i'm like what happened to everybody on the enterprise in this and uh the the original series stuff was equally kind of weird but also they put out some stuff where it was literally like stills from the show that they would add dialogue bubbles to to like make oh, wow. an original story so that was really odd and just not <laughs> yeah not not a lot of effort put in there so it, it was interesting to see gold key brought up though because it, it brought back those memories hmm. and uh then charlton Charlton Comics was the other company company that they mentioned, which that was relevant because in the 80s, probably right around the time this comic was published, DC bought them. And so they had several popular, well-established characters. Uh, the one that everybody's going to know right now is Peacemaker, came from mm. Charlton Comics. Uh, but also Blue Beetle, The Question, and Captain Atom were all originally Charlton Comics characters. Oh, and so... Uh, when Alan Moore wrote Watchmen, he wanted to use those characters in his Watchmen story, but DC wouldn't let him. So all of his characters are takeoffs on one of those. Like the comedian oh. is Peacemaker. Night Owl is actually Blue Beetle. Um, the question is Rorschach. Captain Adam is Dr. Manhattan. Uh, they all have like a direct analog to something that was in Charlton. So Interesting. Uh, that, that was kind of cool that they brought that up and and then the the baxter building even is mentioned by name the fantastic fours headquarters and spider-man yeah they're like they're like can we call any other heroes and they're like no the baxter building got attacked and spider-man was attacked by a giant cephalopod or something and i'm like what <laughs> so yeah that's, a, that's interesting i i didn't catch the references to the comics and i like i i've never really been into watchmen mm -hmm. so that all just sort of flew over my head but that's interesting what you said about the the DC characters and then also like him, you know, making a, an analog to each one and watching. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't really know 
most of those characters that well, but at least know mm -hmm. sort of what they do. But I guess I never made that connection before. So, yeah, it was. Well, I think when he came to DC with this story of like, we're going to deconstruct superheroes and it's going to be dark and violent. And they were like, you can't use no. these characters that we just bought. So uh, but that that's really not. more of a Watchmen discussion. But that that lends me more. Uh, to believe that maybe Flaming Carrot is kind of a Rorschach takeoff too, just the way he acts and everything, and the fact that his face is mostly featureless. I mean, he has like yeah. eyebrows, but that's pretty much it. So. That was something I noticed on that picture of uh, that, or what you drew of like oh, Flaming yeah. Carrot and, and our banana logo like right next to each other. It's like the banana has like these huge eyes and his mouth is open. Mm -hmm. and you see all this stuff, and the carrot, it's like. He has little lines for eyes and a little squint <laughs> yeah. and then like a little face. And like, I looked at the comic, I'm like, yeah, he's just, he's so featureless. Like mm -hmm. he's not a goofy looking carrot guy. He's a serious looking guy who just happens to have a carrot for a head. I mean, like, you know, giant carrot. Like yeah. It's a... the length of his entire body. I yeah. mean, it's, it's insanely. <laughs> it's That's gotta be quite uncomfortable. a carrot. How does there. he even get in a car? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just runs everywhere. I don't know. Maybe the flames from the top of the carrot like propel him or something. Yeah, I was waiting to see like, you know, does he use his flames for anything or does he use his <laughs> carrot head to like, you know, hit people with or something. But he just seems like like if you forget that he has a carrot for a head, he's just like a regular, you know, he's guy just, just a guy. shooting a gun. It's kind of hard to forget that, though. It Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> hard to get past that. Uh, but the villains apparently have a... Um, not just a barbecue, but they also have a group called the Vile Brotherhood. Oh, I thought yeah. that was <laughs> I forgot about that. It was funny too. It's like, well, thank you for letting us know that you're evil. You know, the Vile, but we you, you couldn't just be the Brotherhood. You have to be the Vile Brotherhood. I think that's a lot of the stuff that got carried into the movie. Honestly, is not mm -hmm. not like a one for one. Like here's this character, but very much the tone of it where. And the movie Casanova Frankenstein is the villain. But all of the, you know, they're kind of laughing and they're like, yes, and then evil will triumph. And they're they're very like arch villain over the top. Yeah. You know, almost like 1960s Batman level of like, ah, ha, 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 you know, whenever they are going after their evil plan. So I, I think I, the, the tone is very much the same. Yeah. Like you, know? you have the disco boys and it's like, well, they're a bunch of, you know, disco boys. That's literally what they are. But, and, and all the groups and like the frat boys and all that. Oh stuff. yeah. The frat boys. I thought it was interesting how like Casanova in the movie, he, he did seem like that, like sort of typical, you know, over the top, like bond villain, but he didn't reveal his plans. Like he, I mean, at one point he tells them about the, psychofraculator that's going to you know do all this stuff but he doesn't have this like huge monologue while the heroes save the day and in fact spoiler for the movie so if you haven't right. seen it go see it but in fact what happens is when the heroes of the movie actually go to rescue who's supposed to be like the the superman basically of the city city the mm -hmm. the superhero you know extraordinaire they go to rescue this guy they end up botching whatever process to shut the machine down and actually end up killing him so, you know, usually what would happen is like the, the villain and the hero would be talking and as they're talking and the, the villain is giving their monologue, that's when the hero is making his escape or that's when he's getting rescued or, you know, and they pull the wool over his eyes and he's like, oh, darn, you know, if it wasn't for you kids and that dog, I would have got away with this, you know, that well, that's right. 
but right but it, in the movie it, it doesn't happen that way so i i kind of appreciated it that you know they did a lot of stuff that was funny and on the nose especially at the end when you see jeffrey rush going <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it was awesome but you know and silly but at the same time like he was actually a good villain like he really didn't reveal all his yeah. plans he didn't put all his eggs in one basket like and he really didn't take these you know this group of ragtag idiots very seriously didn't perceive them as a threat and that was really where his downfall was but at the same mm -hmm. time i mean i wouldn't have seen them as a threat either i i don't blame him in this case <laughs> guy know? coming in with a shovel and and a guy that gets really angry and a guy that throws cutlery mm -hmm. and it's like oh yeah i'm real worried about oh, you guys <laughs> we have guns what do you got <laughs> yeah I, I guess the villains in the the comic do kind of put all their eggs in one basket because they're they're like darn we've been foiled whenever all the mm -hmm. the feet get shot to death they <laughs> i i did think that uh the, a lot of the narration too is just so over the top i mean what what it made me think of was like old almost like pre-stan lee captain america comics where you'll have him fighting nazis but they've always got to have like a giant robot or something that that's just insane that wouldn't exist in real life you know the red skull is there and he's got a giant nazi robot that's going to destroy the countryside or or you know kill everybody in europe and captain america's got to stop it so it did kind of feel like that tone of like oh hitler's feet you know, mm -hmm. it was just a little bit more ridiculous than what would actually happen in those old comics. So I, I did kind of appreciate those callbacks to that era. And this felt like uh, with it being a flashback, it it looked like they were in trenches. I mean, I could have imagined them being in World War Two, except that they would all be way too old in the future. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. But but it had the tone of almost like one of those old, you know, kind of like wartime that's what it seemed like so. to me that like they were all war buddies mm -hmm. and and it was almost sort of like Captain America where it's like, you know, the flaming carrot, he's the leader. And right. so he kind of coordinates everybody together and he sends, you know, hey, Bondo man, he's immune to the kick. So I'm going to send him up there to get the stragglers and screwball. Well, you know, he's going to do his crazy thing so he can round him up over here and I'm going to get my. 45 out and i'm gonna start blasting him away like he he was you know, giving orders he was the guy in charge he, like everything was very it was like serious but not serious yeah right? so it wasn't just they, a bunch of boots everywhere and crazy you know chaotic all well the, the characters time. in the story are taking it seriously right yeah yeah so that's but i had to look it. up what bondo was did you know what that was before you know, I was thinking about that and I was like, oh, Bondo, man, he's like indestructible, right? Or, well, maybe not indestructible, but it's like, mm -hmm. he's very thick. And I, at first I thought it was super glue, but then I was like, no, isn't it like that stuff that you fill in and it like hardens? Yeah. And I don't know if just having, you know, older parents or just something I'd heard. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that from, but I was like, oh yeah, Bondo. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, Bondo, I had man. to look up that. It, I guess it's some kind of all purpose putty that dries really quickly and becomes very hard. So there's just a guy made of that. There's one part where they're the feet are kicking Bondo man and he's like, Don't worry, they're only chipping me or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Does he have to apply more Bondo to himself? I, after I don't the know. Battle, I, I don't wonder. know. I want, I wondered about that too. I had a lot of questions about him. So that was another character that we didn't bring up. I mean, if you if you can't tell, this is very much a comic that 
it was focused on the jokes and the the gags and the humor. And there there is a narrative and not really character development, but I don't know that character development really mattered in this because mm-hmm. it's really only got to sustain itself for like 20 pages. And then there was some kind of weird backup story that we're not going to cover here. But yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty short uh, all in all, but it, it was definitely entertaining. So yeah. It, it was interesting to kind of see the take on, you know, the the craziness and zaniness. But, you know, like you, mm-hmm. I think you put it very aptly, like the characters all take it seriously. So like what's mm-hmm. happening in the story is it matters, but it's also ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. And we, we don't really get a resolution to necessarily like foiling the feet. Although we do get like that, what they blow up a factory where they're being. Uh, so it was a it was an abandoned pretzel factory oh, that's where they right. where they uh, created the feet. So they did blow that up. But I think I think Zerb the cloner gets away at the end and mm. he's, you know, sort of vowing to to make it happen again or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I uh, probably should the... have cloned gloves or something like <laughs> right. that way they could punch. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what it seems like. Maybe those would be harder to hit. So maybe pick a different yeah. body part. But you got to go with the DNA you have. And if all you have is one of Hitler's boots, I guess that's true. All you can make you, is you can foot. only make evil boots. Yeah. Can you imagine if Jurassic Park worked that way? So they're like, we found a, a tiny bit of dinosaur DNA in in this mosquito and amber, and so they grow like you know, a dynamicus toe or something. And it's like, well, that's what we've got. Um, (laughs) It has broken loose and now it's terrorizing everybody. And you see the, the Jeep driving away and the little toe is just like inching after him. (laughs) That would be, that would be from what I've heard, that would be better than the last movie. I didn't see the last movie, but I've, I've heard that it, it was not. Yeah. So I I think that's one of those franchises that maybe has just gone on a little too long. Well, because how many times can, how many times are, are we going to try this and be surprised yeah. that the dinosaurs broke out and started killing people? It's like <laughs> at, at a certain point, your human characters look really dumb. Yeah, It's kind of like on, on Star Trek where they, they keep having problems with the holodeck and like like where the characters become sentient and try to take over the ship and kill everybody <laughs> or something. It's like at what point will you know, Picard or Janeway be like, okay, we're not going to use the holodeck anymore. This is just not yeah. a thing that we need. Or unless we're in safe space where we know that we can't experience some, some kind of like electromagnetic interference or, yeah. you know, there's a nebula nearby. We're going to fly through this dangerous nebula. So everybody take a break. Okay, let's go in the holodeck. Like, heck no, I'm staying out until we're, <laughs> you know, back in space dock or something. The The only other thing I really had to discuss was the the narration was very like very like deadly serious like you mm. you should be concerned about this and i don't know the line that stuck out to me was a thousand screams of dying feet as chemicals <laughs> ignite and foul smoke billows but you like that, that was, part <laughs> that was just you know kind of but it was kind of gross too oh, yeah. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> this is just i'm when it comes to feet like i am all the way out i'm i'm just not so this mm-hmm. is going to get a one out of five for that alone. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they said the word feet. I'm, but, uh, I'm done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, even more than bones, we've got we've got a problem yeah. with feet. So we should rename the podcast. But yeah, it, it was definitely a lot of fun to read this and get an idea of where the idea for the movie came from. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of amazed that a movie was made just based on this comic. 
Yeah. Because there's really so little there and it's all just in service of let's get to the next joke that I'm really surprised that some Hollywood screenwriter was like, I can make something out of that. You know, I think that's why it was like loosely based on the comics. So they mm -hmm. took a lot of liberties to do what they wanted to do. It was more the inspiration of you have a group of superheroes that are all wacky and weird. And so that's sort of what the inspiration from the comic was more so right. than the actual characters, although they did borrow a couple of them. Too bad we didn't see Screwball, though. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, I know. Have got those he would, googly eyes or something. He would have been great in a movie, and I think they could have done it with a 90s budget, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it was disappointing. Well, anything else, or shall we move into our final thoughts and ratings? Um, I think we should probably ready to move into final thoughts. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back at you to let you know how many bananas will the flaming carrot get? Bananas and carrots. <laughs> Mush them together. Pull them in the stew. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I think we're ready to move into final thoughts. This is a one shot, so I think we've, you know, surprisingly already kind of got to the point where we're we're done really discussing the the finer points of the story. I'm having a hard time rating it off the top because we haven't rated a straight up comedy before. So that's that's interesting because I don't know that it's fair for me to look for some of the things that we normally look for, like, I don't know, believability or consistency within the world or, you know, did the plot points make sense? Was there character growth? A lot of those things don't matter because that's not the intention of this at all. So I think I'm going to settle on a three for this and go right down the middle. It was good. It was definitely entertaining. I'm definitely glad that I read it. Uh, it does not really leave me wanting to come back for more, though, necessarily. And yeah, I mean, it's just there's not a whole lot there. I was really hoping that there would be more of the characters that we would come to recognize the movie. And that's kind of my own fault because I saw the movie first, you know, back in 1997. And I wasn't even aware that it was a comic book up until you know, the last few years. But uh, I, I think it's it's definitely solid. Uh, if you're looking for something that's just going to make you laugh for, you know, 20 minutes or so, I think this is definitely a good thing to pick up. But uh, the the art, you know, isn't necessarily anything special. It doesn't necessarily do anything with the comic book genre that I feel like is necessarily that novel. But it's, you know, it's a good time. So, I mean, it, you could do worse. Definitely, if you were picking up a one shot off the rack or, you know, looking for comic book satire. Yeah. Well, so no argument here. It's going to be a three <laughs> for me as well. And, you know, it, if you compare this to other things that we've read, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be a three like in the ranking. But I think if you no. look at this, this as its own thing, I would give it a three because it's not really bad, but it's not really good. It's mm -hmm. kind of in the middle where the things I appreciated about it is that the characters were serious about what they were doing. And the story felt very like solid, even though it was something, you know, completely crazy that we have a guy with a flaming carrot head shooting right. bullets at, you know, Nazi boots that are going around kicking people. <laughs> it's, it's wacky and it's crazy, but there's still some 
logic and organization to it. And that's why I was saying yeah. before, like, it's not completely chaotic. It's not just goofy for the sake of being goofy and ridiculous things happen. And like he shoots bullets and they, the, you know, birds pick them up and take them away or, you know, something completely <laughs> crazy. And you're just like, huh, why did that happen? Oh, I don't know. And then you move on. Like they actually had a cloner guy and they actually explained where the boots came from. So even though it was not believable that that would actually happen, <laughs> it's still, you know, grounded in, the the world that was set up in there yeah so, i mean but bob did i guess at least the bare minimum to justify what was going on you know yeah so i mean that just having that in there a little bit made it more enjoyable for me mm -hmm. i think that this was like totally just slapstick like ridiculousness that didn't make any sense i would rate it lower but i think because it's got enough that it's solid enough but it's still not that like fantastical or yeah i want to see what mm -hmm. the carrot does next you know middle of the road three out of five i think sounds about right yeah i i thought about going lower but then i was just like i didn't i didn't hate it though yeah. I, I actually i actually enjoyed it and i mean it was short enough that i could i could breeze through it twice for the podcast to really make sure that i knew it well and it it definitely wasn't offensive at all or, or anything that i was like oh i i'm sorry i read that i mean it, yeah. it was entertaining for the you know 10 15 minutes it lasted or whatever so um, yeah it, it was fun if yeah. you're looking for something fun and zany definitely check it out especially if you go back to the 1980s realize that you know it's a different time period and things are right. gonna sound a little bit different but that could give him you know some additional character that maybe he doesn't have in the mm -hmm. the later runs i don't know haven't read them but that's what we think of flaming carrot yeah Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today to uh, our thoughts on Flaming Carrot number 16 and the Mystery Men. Uh, if you have thoughts that you would like to share, go ahead and go to social media at Boneless Comics Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and Boneless Comics 1 on Twitter. And wherever you post, be sure to use our hashtag Boneless Comics Podcast. That way we'll be sure to see it. And We'd really like to get some dialogue going. I would love for you guys to, uh, you know, maybe read this issue. Tell me what you thought. Are there references to other comic book things that maybe we didn't pick up on? Or is it a send up of a specific issue of Captain America? You know, I, that's stuff that we don't know. So yeah. it'd be really cool to engage with some people about that. Absolutely. And we're going to have our after show on YouTube. That's going to have really the bulk of our discussion on Mystery Men. We both had, you know, seen it when it came out in 1999, but we also have rewatched it recently just to sort of refresh on it. So we'll kind of get a, a fresh and nostalgic take on the movie in our after show. Our YouTube channel, tinyurl.com slash boneless comics podcast. Make sure to check it out, like the video and subscribe. Uh, so make sure to tune in next time for a fantastic for Solve Everything by Jonathan Hickman. And spoilers, I love the Fantastic Four, so <laughs> this is probably going to be a fun one. Yep. Stay tuned. Thanks. Peace. We like comics because they have no fun.